Tennessee Wildcast is live on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. I'm Jason Harmon, and in studio today, we got Miss Amy Snyder Spencer with me. She's going to be helping co-host today. And then, uh, no relation to her, Sean Snyder. So, uh, glad to have uh, both of you with us today. And yeah, we're he spells be... his name wrong. Is, is it wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's okay. Wrong. S S N Y or something like that. It's S N Y. Okay. Uh, but today is all about snakes. We're excited. It is. To... If I can get through it without losing my voice. Yeah, uh, hang in there. Don't 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 wear out until it's over. But uh, we're going to be talking about snakes today. We're pretty excited to have Sean with us. He's been doing some uh, studies on pygmy rattlesnakes and uh, a lot of cool information to talk about today. And uh, Amy's been out with him taking pictures and, and uh, following him while he's been on, oh, his, it's been an on his studies. So Yeah, I'm ready to go every time he calls. So. Um, but we're going to hit a few things before we get started. I want to I want to highlight uh, some, some do's and don'ts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get this uh, out of the way. Amy, she's real, real strong on this, and I am too. I, I don't think we should kill snakes, but it's illegal to kill snakes or take snakes in Tennessee. Yes, it is, and we always get comments when we do a snake post, kill them. It's illegal. They all have their place in the ecosystem. Let's not, let's not just jump to conclusions and kill everything. Yeah. If you don't bother them, they probably won't bother you. And it's true in these snakes because we have been literally right on top of them and they have not struck at us one time or anything. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've been right there with them uh, and uh, we're going to see some pictures today and, and hear more about this. But And then one other thing we want to hit on kind of that same line that Tennessee's the only snake uh, state that protects the pygmy rattler. And Sean, tell us why. Yeah, so in Tennessee, they are a threatened species because we only have about 30 records, and they have a very narrow range. That's why specifically Tennessee decided to threaten them or make them protected. So. Okay. All right. And then in Tennessee, we have four. Four. And I thought it was three. Before we started the show, I was thinking three. Uh, so I've been corrected, and I've made a note, and I've recorded that in my, in my brain here, so I'll know that <laughs> in the future. There are four. Uh, poisonous venomous venomous, there, venomous said it again. species of snakes venomous in snakes in Tennessee mm -hmm. so those are the cottonmouth which is also called a water moccasin uh, the timber rattler the pygmy rattler and the copperhead yes and you said all four have been found in your study area yes we have found all four in our study area which is actually really unique well I know I found that one timber uh, real close to my foot the other yeah, day so uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so anyway tell us about yourself Sean what um where are you from, and how'd you get into snakes? And, and, and you're going to Tennessee Tech, is that right? Tennessee State University. Tennessee State, okay. Yeah. But uh, tell us about yourself a little bit. Yeah, well, thank you, first off, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. But so I'm from South Central Pennsylvania. Um, I was just telling you guys earlier, I grew up between two cornfields. And so I grew up in a very rural area. I went to a very small high school. And then I grew up always in the outdoors. My dad's an outdoorsman, so I was obviously an outdoorsman. I love hiking, fishing. Uh, rock climbing, anything outdoors, anything that gets me in touch with nature. And for my undergrad, I went to Penn State University and studied wildlife and fishery sciences. And then I got my master's here. I'm getting my master's here at Tennessee State University under the advisement of Dr. Bill Sutton um, in environmental sciences, working with the pygmy rattlesnake. Cool. And he's already been accepted for a PhD program. Yes. Yeah, so that's actually, I haven't told a lot of people that yet. Oh, but sorry. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I spilled yeah. the beans. No, that's fine. But I have um, accepted a PhD offer at the University of Maine working with uh, wetland-dependent ecosystems. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. So uh, did you grow up hunting and fishing uh, in the rural areas there in Pennsylvania? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a lot different than here in Tennessee. But yeah, so yeah, I grew up hunting with my dad a lot. We, we hunted a lot in northern Pennsylvania where the mountains are. But yeah, I hunted a lot. I fished a lot. 
a lot of fun, but it's a lot different here than Tennessee, I'll say that. So how'd you get into snakes? So that's a long story. So it has to start when I studied abroad in South Africa my sophomore year at Penn State. So I studied abroad in South Africa. I went to the country with 12 other students, and during that time, I got to do biodiversity surveys with a bunch of different biologists in South Africa themselves. And um, we got to do, like, drift fencing. We did small animal trapping. But what really caught my attention was we were able to catch some really cool venomous species like the Cape Cobra or a puff adder, which are two crazy venomous species in Africa. And it was just amazing to see those species and to understand that this species has really evolved and they're really interesting and people don't appreciate them. And so I think that was my first taste of it. And then it kind of just evolved as it went through my whole undergrad career. Wow. That's pretty cool. I didn't yeah. know that. All yeah. the discussions we've had, <laughs> yeah. we didn't talk about that, yeah. Uh, it was a secret. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be talking mainly about the pygmy, uh, and we may talk about others. we got a lot of pictures to show, but tell us about the, the pygmy rattlesnake. What's, uh, what's a typical size you're going to see here in Tennessee? Yeah, so they're very small. They're the second smallest rattlesnake in the United States. I was originally calling them the smallest, and I got corrected one time, so I have to say they're the second smallest now. But they're originally, well, they're probably like tw 15 to 20 inches in length, um, they do get bigger, but that's the general size. Um, they are very abundant throughout the southeastern United States. Um, they're very abundant in Florida and in the southeastern coastal plains. But now we had this discussion. Mm. There's three subspecies, yep. and we have the western, and the other two are found elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. so here we have the western pygmy rattlesnake, and then we also have the dusky pygmy rattlesnake, which is kind of like in Florida in the panhandle in the Gulf Coast. And then like in the Carolinas, we have the Carolina pygmy rattlesnake. Okay. So really interesting, and they vary mainly upon their coloration in, throughout these three subspecies, yeah. And uh, what's the main uh, the objective of this study? What are you trying to accomplish here? What are you trying to find out? Yeah, so the, they are a threatened species in the state of Tennessee, which is very out of the ordinary for the species in general. And so my job was to create a distribution model for the species, where the species occurs in the state, and then we're also going to assess how they're doing. What is like, Can we find good populations? Are they breeding? And so that was the main goals of, our, of this study. Well, tell us about some of these pictures that we're seeing. Uh, now, You've been yeah. doing everything in West Tennessee, but yes. we're not going to disclose any locations because yes. mm -hmm. these snakes are protected. Mm -hmm. So this is a picture of one of my males with a large female. Amy was with me when we found this one. This so, is the male. Yeah, my male is the smaller guy, and the, the larger one is the female. Um, these two are cuddling, I would say. Um, is that what they call it? They, yeah, that's what they call it these days. <laughs> but yeah, so these, this was one of my males that was with a female. It's actually the second female we found him with, so he's kind of a player. Um, but yeah, this is a really, really rare sighting because he's a player and he's a traveler too. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, he's traveled mm -hmm. greater distance than anything that has previously recorded, correct? Yeah. So there's only one other study I can compare when it comes to tracking pygmies to telemetry gear, and that study said that they can move, they can move as much as 100 meters, but generally they stay within 40 meters of where they were originally found. This guy is 800 meters from where I originally found him. He's a mover, and he likes yeah. to go uphill and wow. yeah. Um, yeah. Here again, there's the male, and that's mm -hmm. the female. Yep. So the female's on the left. Mm -hmm. She's okay. got a lot bigger. She was huge. Mm -hmm. She's definitely gravid. She'll probably next year, around in September or August, she'll probably give birth to a litter. Okay, now that's something I wanted to bring up. Mm -hmm. Now they will store the sperm over mm -hmm. winter, mm -hmm. and then be fertilized, and then they will give live birth in mm -hmm. the fall next year. Yep. Okay. Yep. How many do they normally have? So usually, I mean, a lot of the times we are going off of like zoo studies, but usually seven to 12 is the common for this species. And he was telling me actually they had one in a zoo that the female stored the sperm for what, four years? It wasn't this species, but there is okay. snakes are known to store sperm for years because there's wow. been uh, uh, things happen where they bring a wild specimen into the zoo and then like three years later, 
it is pregnant and gives birth, and they've never cohabited Crazy. it with anything. So Crazy. snakes can store sperm for a very long time. Hmm. So, yeah. Same pair again. We just got yeah. a ton of pictures. I mean, we were there yeah. for, I don't know, what, 30, 30 minutes? minutes with yeah. Them? yeah. <laughs> so how many of you have you found over the course of the study so far? So, yeah, we, I personally have found 16. Okay. And we take into consideration there's only 30 records before I started. Yeah. It, it, we, we did really well for ourselves. And then we also had four from our assistant science campaign that were reported to us and confirmed. So altogether, 20 new records for the state. So we're really happy with what we got He's so He's found far. a little hot spot. Yeah. Cool. And in this photo, mm -hmm. the snakes are right here. Yep. Oh, right below your feet. I mean, there. you'll see he's right on top of them, mm -hmm. uh, and they've never struck at us. Yep. They've not. They're not act aggressive whatsoever. They've mm -hmm. been very calm and peaceful. Yeah. So common misconception is these guys will always strike at you, but I can personally tell you, I've stepped on timber rattlesnakes, never done anything. I've stepped over top of timbers. I've stepped over top of pygmies, and they've done anything to me. These animals are so confident in their ability to remain cryptic that they will not give away their position unless they 100% know you see them. So this spe these species are very, very not aggressive at all. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, being that close, I'm surprised. It, you think, it could it be the weather? Has it cool, been cooler out there? Does that slow them down? Or? Um, so well, the day we were out there, it was in the 70s. I think it was the last mm -hmm. day in the 70s. Last um, warm day. But the overall, I've tracked these guys when it was like 85 and 90 degrees and in the 70s, and they've all had similar behaviors. They've just not been shown any aggression towards me at all. They just, I mean, they notice I'm there, and like if we make move some grass over their head. They'll make a little head movement, but they'll never do they, anything. They flick. They flick their yeah. head at you. It's kind of cool. To, yeah. We were trying yeah. to get a video of it. They'll, yeah. they'll track you and stuff, but they're not they're not aggressive. And we've, mm -hmm. we've had cameras all, well, all around them. Yeah. They don't care. Well, educate yeah. a little bit, too. Uh, can can snakes, what's the vision like? Do they do they see or do they search with their tongue? I know they, I've heard that, too. And yeah, so. How do they uh, how do they find their prey or or? Sniff around, I so guess you could say. So specifically with, with pit vipers, which is the pygmies, a pit viper, they have these pits on their face. It helps them see thermally. So they see heat, heat signatures. Okay. And so what this snake will do is it'll find a place where it thinks its prey could walk by, and it'll just coil up and remain into striking position, and then it'll wait till it comes by, and then it'll strike it. And then it can follow the heat signature from whatever the prey they, they struck and follow it to where it died because the venom takes some time to kill it. Gotcha. So these animals are extremely well adapted to be predators. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. This next shot is um, you with some of the gear. Tell us about some of the gear you've been using to track these once you get the transmitters in them. Well, yeah. So first thing, the transmitters, so since the species is really small, we had to really be specific and be very selective at what transmitter we chose. So I called different eight, different companies to see what their selection was for snakes. A lot of them didn't have transmitters that were even small enough to get in pygmies. Mm. And then actually the transmitter we, key, we selected was actually meant for fish. Um, but it's uh, very small and it lasts about six months. And so once we inserted these transmitters and we were able to track these snakes, and I tracked them three times a week. And um, so I would go out there and I'll just use the telemetry gear and uh, go, uh, find them to exact location and then record habitat variables and to see what kind of habitats they like and what kind of elevations they like and all those different type of habitat variables that could give us an idea of what they like. And like <clears throat> right now you were telling us that we were out there, one had already gone underground, but mm -hmm. you were out last week and they're all, all of them were underground. So, mm -hmm. so he's actually looking at their den types and if mm -hmm. any other species are denning with them. Because yep. we found a timber rattlesnake next to one of the pygmies mm -hmm. on that last trip. Oh, yeah. It's, that's something that we're definitely really interested in doing. I mean, um, we definitely know that our male pygmy, is he's denning with another female pygmy. So that's really interesting and really important data for us to know. And then, like she said, we found a timber right near where our, one of our pygmies was. So if they're communally denning, that's really, that's really important. And that's 
really awesome in my opinion. So. But now I will say the first day that we went out and we were just walking around <laughs> looking for them. And I'm still thinking, I know they're small, but I'm still looking for a bigger snake. And I, I know now why we didn't find any because it was just crazy that day. But mm-hmm. then they just, man, they got lucky in a couple of different times that they went out there. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to say how they did it. but mm-hmm. um, And then they, they caught him. And when he texted me and he, and he was like, we caught like 16. And I'm <laughs> like, what? Sixteen in one day? No, 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 okay, no, no. Okay. But they like I gotcha. went, went with him one day, and then yeah. it was like about a month before we talked, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh yeah, I've caught sixteen. And I'm like, "What? <laughs> How do you catch sixteen? Yeah, we so. uh, we definitely got better with finding these species as the time went along, and we definitely honed in on what time of year and what and what time of day is best for them, and we got we got lucky in some instances, but we were we were really happy with it. And then this, tell us about this one. Is this some of the same ones? Oh, this looking? is one of our females. Yeah, she. And you were talking earlier, I mean interrupt, but earlier you were saying, uh, this is female, this is male, this is female, and you just rattle it off. Yeah. I'm looking at it like, that's a snake. Um, yeah. He knows them well. So yeah, tell so us how do you determine if it's a female. So, I mean, I've been tracking different species of snake for the past three, four years of my life. So, like, I just pick up on the size or just certain, like, little attributes of the snake. So, you can see it has, like, a solitary black dot, like, a third down its body. That's how I figure out what this one is, but... Yeah, these snakes, when you track them three times a week, they kind of become recognizable, and you kind of recognize their movements and their the kind of personalities they have. So yeah. that's why I kind of recognize them just by a picture. And he got all excited yeah. when we found the second female with the male. Yeah. Oh, new female, new female. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's great. Now, this is the other female, yep. and she's dark. Mm-hmm. If you notice the color difference, right? the other yeah. ones are more mm-hmm. brown. She's more of a grayish color. Mm-hmm. And I've got some other pictures of her, but I just mm-hmm. forgot to put them in the slideshow. So. Not as much orange on this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like. I, uh, I've been trying to think about why she could be this. It could just honestly be a genetic thing. She's a little bit darker, but it could also be that she needs to shed. And that could be a factor that's contributing to her being a little bit darker. But, yeah, she's a little bit different coloration, which is, shows good variation, which is really, again, interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you'll notice some of them we, fit, that we have pictures of are in grass because mm-hmm. that one male just totally blew my mind that we mm-hmm. were finding him in an overgrown field. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I always thought they were woodland species, and you'd see mm-hmm. them in, in the – you know, in the woods, but no, this one male, he's been hanging out in about a year old growth field. Yeah. It's really like, again, we know very little about this species and it's really interesting to see how people make assumptions about, Oh, they like, they like the upland forest or lowland forest, you know? And then like, I see two of my snakes in open fields for a good two months solid. So again, it just, it goes to show you that species will do things that we don't expect them to do. And until you figure out what, until we figure out what they actually do do in the actual field and you study them. So So how long, I think when I think of the the, the venomous snakes in Tennessee, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking co- uh, cottonmouth, timber, and and copperhead, and pygmy never registered on, on my radar. So how long has the pygmy? Have they've always been in Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, definitely they've been here for as long as mm, about someone as, as long as we've been studying snakes. I'd say. Well, there's been a here. wet. There's the one that was in Hardeman County, mm-hmm. which we've they've been arguing if that's really a valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, ID on that snake, mm-hmm. but that's like the f- extreme west of their exactly. territory. Yeah. So, okay. And that was what the nineties, I want to say. Yeah we, yeah, we have records from the way back in nineteen fifties, and we definitely know they've been here for a lot longer than that. It's just probably about the time when people actually started doing research in Tennessee, we found them. But definitely, they are not very abundant in Tennessee at all. Gotcha. Okay. So that's yeah, the reason why they're on the yeah. threatened list. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and here's an example of how you you uh, tag them. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, so when I find these, like, I found the, obviously I found this snake at night. So I have to tube the snake, obviously, to restrain it so it doesn't bite me. 
Um, so I would put the snake in a bucket, and then I would manipulate its head into these nice acrylic tubes, and I would able to be able to do measurements and swab it and do all the things I need to do to m make sure this species has like a transmitter in it, or if I need, just need to get measurements or sex it. So that's the way we were able to safely do our research on this species. Mm -hmm. yep. And then I don't see a rattler on it. Yeah, it's it does. It's very small. It's right there. You, I think about 80% of the pygmies that I found, I could not hear any of the rattling. Only a few were big enough. To Supposedly, and yeah. you know, when people say they've seen one, it sounds like a, a bee buzzing or something mm -hmm. like that. That you can barely hear it. But we've—they've never rattled at nope. us at all. Mm -hmm. They all they do is flick their head. Yeah. And the timber—I guess the timber rattler is the one that maybe has the longer rattles, or you can yeah. really you know, hear it. I've definitely had see it. I've definitely been scared by them a few times. And well, when we were looking for that one female, uh, he was like, "Hey, we're close." So we start looking. Mm. You know, you're looking really close to the mm -hmm. ground and we're in this treetop that like fallen over and I'm like here it is and I look right by my foot and he goes oh no that's just a juvenile timber <laughs> and I was like uh so I jumped out of the way because yeah. he was already cooled back and I mean he was like I was like oh this yeah. is great I hope you had your snake boots on right no I didn't <laughs> okay because nope. um. they've been so mellow but I mean really that's the only other well only other species of snakes when I was there with y'all mm -hmm. that we found but they found yeah. others so yeah, in this one particular spot, we've, I think I counted the other day, it was like 14 total species. And that's and just on the, for one site, that's a lot of species to detect because snakes are not easy to detect in general. So the fact that we're detecting this many and that many species is really good for this one spot. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And these, these on the bucket, are, I guess, are the same ones, the same same couple ones we've been looking at. Uh, these are the, yeah, this is the male, the, the larger first one. Female yeah, the, the first, first female. Yeah, the first female. This is the first one. So this was the, the lady he chose first, and so... That we know about. That we know about, yeah. So, like, I just, uh, I found these two together, and I just wanted to put them in the bucket together because I know it's it's really rare to get a, a good picture of two pygmies together in Tennessee. So, it was really, it was actually the first time we, it's going to be, like, a mating courtship is going to be recorded in Tennessee, so wow. it was worth taking the picture and putting and it in the And I got bucket, to see so. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you were pretty excited about this, Amy. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was cool. I mean, where else are you going to go sometimes with this job? What, where else do you get to experience it? You know, I spent all those years in law enforcement, and it was pretty much targeted one thing, yeah. enforcement. And mm -hmm. now in this job, I'm doing all kinds of studies, and it's it's fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, the turtles and now the snakes. We'll see what <laughs> the spring brings. See what, <laughs> see what comes up next. Yeah. Um, I had one other question. I forgot what it was. I'm going to flip to this next picture. Oh, I know what it was. If you're listening on the radio, we thank you all for tuning in. But if you want to see these pictures, go to go to our website and, uh, and uh, org or Facebook or uh, YouTube, our YouTube channel, and watch this, watch this episode and see these pictures of these snakes. It's really cool to see. And there's the one that was in the grass. Yep. It's just neat to see it in a different, in a habit, different habitat. Mm -hmm. It's really cool when you look at a species like this that has such a unique coloration and you see on the contrast against the green, you can sh it really shows you that this species can be cryptic in the right type of habitat. But if you look at it like in this green habitat, you'd be like, why was it there? So it's really interesting to see that these species can use a multitude of different habitats. All right. Well, um, we talked about the ecosystem, mm -hmm. uh, why snakes are important to our ecosystem. But... Uh, What's some of the things that snakes bring to the table? What, what, well, what have you, or you, what you've learned from these snakes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so overall, with my entire study, I've caught hundreds of different snakes and, and all across West Central Tennessee. And so what I've definitely found was, especially with the pygmy rattlesnake, I'll just talk about them, that they're a very sedentary species for the main part during the summer. So the hot part of the summer, they won't move that much, and it's really in the early, uh, late, well, actually late spring and early, well, late spring and 
late summer is when the times are really going to, you can find these species. That's what we found. But I do think this species is very, their populations are very disconnected in their population. And like their habitat they can have is very disjunct across the state. So it's not a whole lot of things to look forward to for this species. But there is certain areas where we definitely think there's stronghold populations that we can try to preserve. That's what we mainly found the species. And uh, another part of my study is we're also checking for the see if snake fungal disease is a thing in our snake populations. And so far, that has not been found in my study area, which is really positive because that can decimate populations. So, well, that's especially with 14 different species that you found. Exactly. So, and that because that's if you see a high density of snakes in one area, if, it, if the snake fungal disease gets in that area, it could easily just decimate populations. So, it's really great that we're finding n- no presence of it right now. So, that's the main findings of our study. So, yeah. That's good. And I guess that snake fungal disease could affect any snake, right? That's not yeah, any snake. There's species definitely, specific. Yeah, it definitely is prevalent in certain species over others, but definitely um, it can happen in any species. And actually, with the pygmy rattlesnake, it's actually well documented in Florida. So Now, what are the main predators of the pygmy, besides humans? But yeah, I mean, definitely they play an important role as, as not only as a predator, but main, as a good prey species as well, because you have like king snakes, you have right. birds. And you have things, even like armadillos could probably eat this species because they're so small. Mm. Raccoons could eat it. So this species is really important as a prey species as well. Yeah. Have you ever run into uh, something like that when you're doing on your study, uh, another animal attacking the snake or a snake attacking another animal? So <laughs> <laughs> The first time, I'm going I'm to interject yeah. here, the first time I went out after he got some and we were tracking him, <clears throat> we were worried that, Maybe a predator had got one, and we were mm-hmm. thinking, no, we can. Well, we should go to that spot where the trans. But anyway, it turns out it was just a equipment failure. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I have personally have not found any of my snakes being eaten, but I have oh, come gosh. across. Yeah, so let's say that's going to happen. But I've have seen pictures of you know king snakes eating copperheads, and that's a very common thing. So I w- it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to totally see that happening, or a bird. If a bird took one of my snakes, I would never hear the transmitter again. It'd just be gone somewhere. Yeah. So, it'd be it, it would be sad, but again, it's just natural processes. Yeah. And these snakes, the pygmies, um, their main diet. What's their what's their diet like? Yeah. So since they're so small, they when they're very young, they mainly eat insects. And then as they get bigger, they predominantly eat amphibians and lizards. And if they get really big, they can get a small mammal. But mainly, amphibians and small lizards and insects are the three main things they eat. And big is what was that one male that y'all yeah so we unfortunately one of our our first year in 2017 we had a very large pygmy um it was actually a male i was run over and it was the largest pygmy we've ever found in tennessee it was, and that pygmy was could have been considered a decent sized timber and it could have probably eaten a small mammal but we have never found a pygmy as big as that one ever again so and how big was that again 150 grams so to put that in, in, into like perspective the biggest pygmy we found this year was only 76 grams. So over double the size of any of the ones we found. Wow. So it, it was, that was a big snake, and it was very sad to see it run over. But Are you um, – you said you ran across all four venomous snakes on your study. Are you mm-hmm. impressed by these other species and how they looked while you were out there? I know you weren't specifically studying those, but – Yeah, definitely um, – <laughs> I've found more copperheads than any other snake. I found over 70 copperheads, which is ridiculous, but that's it's good data. But so yeah, copperheads are really abundant. They're a very gentle species. I found maybe five to ten timbers, and that's probably common. Probably, and then a few cottonmouths, and the only places I find cottonmouths are near rivers, which obviously because they're semi-aquatic, mm-hmm. so not as many as them. And then, yeah, the pygmy, obviously I found 16. So overall, we were able to detect a good amount of each one. 
Yeah. And this study was mainly in West Tennessee. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess you could probably take some of that data and compare it or um, take that data and be able to almost make an estimate of what we'd see across the state or or would you see more of one species than the other, you think? Um, so definitely it's hard to do that because Tennessee is very diverse. Right, yeah. And different elevations. And obviously the pig and rattlesnake, again, is really restricted. So obviously they can only ha- habitat. It's habitat's only one area. But the copperhead and the timber, you can probably use the same habitat across the board. And living in Jackson mm-hmm. um, for eight, the last 18, 19 years, I've seen multiple copperheads. Mm-hmm. Never seen a, a timber rattler. Yeah. And I've, of course, seen abundant amounts of uh, cotton mouse. But those mm-hmm. are the, and of course, I've never seen a ten, uh, pygmy until I, I went with Sean. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I always, that's what I always see were the copperheads. I think I saw more copperheads than I did cotton mouse. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah, growing up, I've seen, I've seen some copperheads in East Tennessee and, and, Timbers way up in the upper mm-hmm. East Tennessee. That's where you I know. saw all, all my rattlesnakes. I've not seen any in West Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of black snakes around the house, but that's about <laughs> all I've seen well, those around are, my area. <laughs> those are the best kinds. Yeah, of snakes. that's what yeah. I was going to say. Those are the good ones. <laughs> I have. let them go. I let them go. I promise. Yeah, let's let's reiterate this. It's illegal to kill snakes in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It's illegal to take snakes. Yes. Um, there's four uh, venomous. venomous the cottonmouth, the water moccasin, the timber rattler, the pygmy, and the copperhead. Those yep. are the four that's in Tennessee. And uh, and Tennessee is the only state that... Actually protects the pygmy because of their threatened status in threatened Tennessee. Status. Yeah. So uh, this is all awesome information. It's very interesting study. Uh, I wish I could have went with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've actually had a couple of coworkers go, when is, when's he going again? Because yeah. I want to go. I'm like, come on. We'll go. Is there anything else you want to say or uh, final take home message for yeah, snakes? Yeah, just a yeah. So my biggest thing whenever I talk to my friends or anybody, I say snakes are not out to get you. They are not going to chase you. They are not going to be aggressive. You are actually more likely to be killed by a wild dog than you are by a venomous snake. So that's important to keep in mind. And overall, the second she was, like Amy was saying, snakes are extremely important to the ecosystem. So like I always look at the whole ecosystem as like a trophic scale, like a pyramid. If you take out one layer, it's all going to fall and collapse the whole structure. So they play a huge role. And it's very important that we see them as, as an important species, like on the same level as like a deer. I know deer are very important to people in their, in their need to eat. I, know, I think it's important we, we see them as a similar species because if they, if they didn't have a role here, they wouldn't be here to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing. So these snakes are really important. And if we lose them, we could cause a very big change to our whole overall ecosystems. Yeah. Well, there you have it. I can't wait till they come back out. I can yeah. tell. I can tell you're really passionate about it. We're gonna be back. We're we're, we're tracking them down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate you coming and being a part of our show and 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 introducing us to the pygmy. Oh. Uh, this has been awesome information for me. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me. Uh, so uh, good luck in your studies. Good luck uh, here on out. Uh, sounds like you got quite a bit of stuff ahead of you. So yeah, a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, congratulations on that. But thanks. anyway, uh, Amy, thanks for being with us today. Uh, coming, coming in from West Tennessee, we are uh, we are in Nashville today, but uh, uh, talking about West Tennessee pygmy rattlers. And if you uh, if you didn't uh, get a chance to listen to the show or or watch the show, go watch it. If you're on the radio, go watch the show. And uh, there are some good photos on there. Yeah, a lot of good photos, a lot of good photos. So uh, thanks for tuning in. This is Tennessee Wildcast, and uh, we'll see y'all next time. Thanks, Sean. Thanks. Thanks for tuning think- in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do.
Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.